everyone, this is Maria. And this is Christina. We are two good friends, young wives, and lovers of good food and the outdoors. So grab a mug of tea and join us for this conversation we call Real Life. Happy March, everyone. March, that's kind of sickening feeling. <laughs> Why? That we're so close it's to It's just summer. so, yeah, fast. Mm-hmm. Lots to do. Yeah. Last time we talked about our waiting month and how to like capitalize on the slow winter, but winter yeah. hasn't really been slow. <laughs> no, it ha- I really haven't done any projects. Mm. Farm stuff has kept you busy? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we've started hatching earlier. Mm. So we have like our baby quail in mm-hmm. the store already and... Um, button quail soon to follow so it feels like there hasn't been much of a lull yeah yeah (laughs) I need to do a lot more planning as well I'm realizing like oh now's the time to be planting seeds you know starting some seeds inside and I need to get on it more so that's actually what we're going to talk about today on the podcast is garden planning garden tips And this is my first time gardening at my new place, so I'm going to try some new methods. And I'm going to ask Christina on the podcast today uh, what she thinks of what I'm doing, and she's going to give me some tips from her experience. I'm so excited to see what you do with that new space. Mm -hmm. It's just really thrilling to start with sod and turn it into something that's going to create lots of food and fertility Mm -hmm. for years to come. Yeah, it's very true. Just, you know, this... It's been a yard. It's been a play area. Yeah. Now it's going to bring forth life. So, yeah. Well, let's start with what you're doing, Christina, for gardening. You have uh, more than one method of gardening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, um, you know, I started with the raised beds uh, like seven years ago um, when we moved here. And uh, love that. I'm a huge advocate of raised beds for people just starting out. We uh, went up to like over 30 raised beds around the yard. Um, And they're four by eight raised beds, so they're smaller. I think looking back, if I had done it again, I would have done four foot um, by like 30, Hmm. you know, because it's uh, just less material, less less things to mow around, but it looks really beautiful because mm-hmm. it's like a maze of these raised beds. Yeah. Um, and, and they just have like a three foot path between them just wide enough for a push mower. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were my start and they're still the foundation of my gardening. Anything mm-hmm. that's delicate goes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, herbs and cut flowers, things like that. And when you went to build those, mm-hmm. it was just getting that frame and filling it with manure, you know, composted mm-hmm. soil. Yeah, so okay. we started with uh, larch, which is uh, rot resistant. Hmm. Um, you don't want to use pressure treated. A lot of people say, oh yeah, I use pressure treated um, because it won't rot, but unfortunately it, it's full of chemicals and yeah. so that will taint your soil. So using things like locusts and larch, oh, yeah. um, they don't leach, oh, yeah. they're just a natural wood. You are, how yeah. fun. thank you Casey (laughs) so using things like larch or locust um, locust is harder to find Um, those when they're touching the ground they won't rot Uh, so it's really really good material and they've held up great I'm super impressed because some of them are seven years old um, going on eight years and we filled them with a we first started with just Uh, soil that we sifted but we noticed it was really dense so I ended up hand shoveling that soil out and then putting back in uh, more of a composted 
material with uh, years and years of layers of leaves okay. and um, soil amendments and things. So it's a, a big mix of a lot of things, but you want your organic matter, your fertilizer of some sort, and then um, just like a loam material, a sand or um, a finer soil than clay. And all just mixed in, mm-hmm. or they're not layered? Yeah, okay. well, they were layered, and then they eventually get mixed. Okay. Um, and you can uh, you can till them, or you can do no-till. So far, I've done no-till. I let my chickens in the garden at the end of the year. They gave they it some love. They scratch around, <laughs> yeah, and just kind of aerate it slightly. But the, the whole concept behind no-till is that you're not uh, pulling up weed seeds from years past. Because weed seeds are actually viable for hundreds of years. Wow. So they don't seem to die. They just seem to go dormant. What a bummer. (laughs) Yeah, major bummer. So it's really hard to, without the use of commercial sprays, which have this whole other downfall um, that we don't recommend at all, uh, it's really hard to fight the weeds if you're tilling. Mm -hmm. And so what we recommend is layering the soil, not disrupting. Because as you add new materials, especially... um, uh, things that are composted, they're not going to have seeds because the, the compost process has broken down the seeds. Mm-hmm. So we just always layer on top and slightly scratch the surface uh, to plant. And, and most of the time I don't even have to use equipment because the soil is is not compacted because we're not using equipment on it. Yeah, so that's wonderful. just sticking my hand in the soil and moving it to the side to plant is really... Mm-hmm really nice Mm -hmm. but it's funny because I don't need a garden shed or anything I just need my wheelbarrow (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to have a lot of equipment no you really don't Mm -hmm. um and so we've we've translated that method of no-till from our raised beds into a in-ground garden per se but again we're not tilling that garden Mm -hmm. uh when we first started we leveled it because uh it wasn't it was very like irregular and Mm -hmm. um there was some flat spots and things but uh we added a lot of organic material to it last year we covered it with a silage tarp Mm -hmm. so that's uh 60 by 120 feet um you can get them in all different sizes but the theory behind the silage tarp is you're letting the soil rest and letting the worms do their thing. They start to go crazy underneath and um, just eating all the organic matter and uh, because it's not dry, because it's a moist, uh, yeah. perfect environment for the worms. And then you cut into that to plant? Mm, so when, we'll, well, when we lift up the tarp at the end, oh, we won't cut the tarp. Yeah. So we'll roll the tarp up and then... Uh, We'll use it again next year. So we'll just use it like a garden. But when I roll that tarp, we should do a live video. It's going to look like it had just been tilled. So the tarp goes on fall, Mm -hmm. fall time after you've harvested. Yeah, it works as a ground cover. Yeah. Awesome. So So initially when you leveled that ground, that was not really a tilling process. Uh, it kind of was gentle in a way. Till. Okay. Yeah, very gentle. We weren't digging down. Mm-hmm. Commercial tillers can go down three, four feet, especially mm-hmm. for people that are planting corn and things like that. Mm-hmm. And when you go down that deep, you're just bringing up that hundred-year-old weed seed yeah. to compete with your twenty-year-old and ten-year-old weed seed, and mm-hmm. you're just dealing with a lot of weeds. Yeah. So um, what we did was we actually it was a forest. So Kelby cut the trees, remove the stumps, and then kind of push the soil so that it filled in the stump holes. Okay. 
So. And then from there you added organic matter mm-hmm. and your fertilizer. Yeah, many feet of like chicken manure, mushroom compost, and leaves mm-hmm. went into the garden last year. And uh, as a result, it was like a building year. So we had some drainage issues and wet spots and things like that. But um, we let the corn and things lay, uh, like our corn stalks, lay under the tarp. So those will all break down and contribute cool. to the organic material and hay and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it should it should be very loamy this year and, and every year get better. That's wonderful. So when you said you plant more gentle things or fragile things mm-hmm. in the raised beds, what would that be? So um, I guess it's more things I want to keep an eye on um, and also things that take more care in picking. Um, things like tomatoes or potatoes, like you just, they're easy to plant in rows and just go down the row and pick. Mm-hmm. Things like tender herbs that you're picking by hand, um, like more delicately, those go in the raised beds because they're easier to access. They're higher up okay. off the ground. Um, you're not dealing with, uh, and I also use integrated pest management, uh, especially in the raised bed gardening. So uh, you're not dealing with as many pests when you're doing that, and they're up off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. So my celery is in those, my herbs, my um, cucumbers sometimes. I use climbing trellises. They're cattle panels that are arched. So it's basically a fence that we turn the, the wrong way and flipped mm-hmm. around to be a tunnel. <laughs> and it looks pretty, and, you know, to have all those dimensions to your raised beds. It's really majestic. So we plant peas on those first and then beans or climbing squash and okay. cucumbers. So that type of thing that I like to monitor. Squash are really sensitive in our area to downy mildew mm-hmm. um, or powdery mildew. Um, it's just t- a type of blight. Mm-hmm. But because we're a wet clay soil... So squash really need to be lifted up off the ground and get lots of air movement. And mm-hmm. so that's an ideal setting for uh, things like climbing zucchinis and mm. that type of thing. Right. Yeah. And are you doing anything new this year as far as planting new um, crops? I'm looking at my seeds right now. Probably lots of new flowers. Oh, we are trying more melons. These cool. are really fun. So I met Malcolm. Um, who is a farmer in Naples last year, and he had amazing watermelons and uh, regular, uh, I don't know what, like a cantaloupe-style hmm. melon. Yeah. Um, and so we found, these are season, um, shortened season melons, so Minnesota midget melon, which looks, it looks like our traditional cantaloupe, but it's got this like curve to it, um, or scalloping, I guess. And then the banana melon, which is supposed to taste very tropical, but um, they're both like northeast grown, um, season seasonally adapted from Hudson Valley. Neat. So we're gonna try those and see. We may have them for sale at the mm-hmm. farm store, which would be really cool. That's really exciting. And then um, I'm looking at what are the other um, different leeks I'm doing. I'm super excited about, like, the flowers, and I want you to look, Maria, I wish it was on video, but Hudson Valley Seed Company has, like, what's called art packs, hmm. and their seeds are so pretty, like, their yeah. seed packaging. Yeah, they are. Um, And so there's lots of uh, different fun things. Mm-hmm. These are beautiful. Yeah, the straw flowers, those are, like, born dry. Have you ever grown those? No. They, uh, literally, they take forever to open, but... 
when you feel the texture of them, they're like straw. Mm. And so they're a dried flower growing. Mm. Um, and you can just cut them and use them for fall and winter decorating. That's so really cool. They're really fun. Um, and then this is a pin cushion flower mix, which is a bachelor button blend. Mm. We have a lot of weddings this mm. summer. <laughs> Planning so, ahead. <laughs> yeah, lots of flowers. Yeah. Are you doing anything new? I am. I'm, I'm trying different flowers, and I should have brought my seeds today. Um, but I, I did want to do more flowers that were, like, attracting uh, the bees. So I've got bee balm. I've got uh, morning glory. That's a nice climbing vine mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to have some dimension in my garden as well. So I've got some peas Fun. that will that will climb, and then I wanted the morning glory. So, Beautiful. Yeah. Definitely trying to expand to to more flowers, which mm-hmm. I haven't done in the past. Yeah, morning glory can be invasive, so just okay. be careful where you plant it. <laughs> but uh, it can be done too with pruning and things; okay. it won't escape crazily. Okay. Yeah. But maybe a section of the garden where I can control it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the seeds may carry slightly, so mm-hmm. maybe somewhere where it's near lawn. Okay. Yeah. Good tip. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually trying a brand new method, and it's called the Back to Eden yeah. method. And you had heard of it before. Mm-hmm. We use that in our fruit um, gardens. Okay. So we have like a blueberry patch and a raspberry patch, and we mm-hmm. use Back to Eden. Awesome. So I wanted to share with all of you the general idea of it, and then you know have Christina's input to help me tweak it because. As I've done research on it, I know a lot of people have struggled to get it right, especially the first few years. So basically, um, the Back to Eden method is, it's a method put out by Paul, I don't remember his last name. Look it up. <laughs> it's like Galachi or something. Yeah, famous organic gardening book he published. Yeah. And while you're looking that up, I'll share. Basically, he realized uh, a method of gardening based off of what he saw in the forest where um, the needles will naturally cover the ground from the different trees. Jethro Kloss. Oh, that's, <laughs> not the, that's not the guy who did the Back to Eden documentary. Okay. Is that somebody else? That's the one who wrote the book. Oh, okay. That's cool. Maybe he interviewed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's like in 1930 he put the book out. So. Oh, wow. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, basically, it's all about covering the ground instead of tilling it up. So you cover it to protect the soil, and it keeps all the moisture in there, just like you talked about the tarp Mm -hmm. that you use. So the way that I've learned um, and researched how you start this garden is that you don't till the ground. You start with newspaper, cardboard, like a nice thick layer of that. And then you add your compost some type of chicken manure horse manure Mm -hmm. and then you lay the wood chips Mm -hmm. however so that's kind of like the basic but then looking into it deeper you can't just plant in wood chips Mm -mm. so what some people were saying is right below the wood chips they would put some type of rich compost and we've talked about mushroom compost yeah um, a couple inches of that so that's kind of what I'm thinking, and Pavel and I have been talking through it, and he asks me great questions, like, is that even enough soil? If I've got, like, a good six to eight inches of wood chips above my main um, compost, my main soil, 
that I put in there. And then on top of those wood chips, I have like two inches of mushroom compost. Mm-hmm. Is that two inches enough to plant in? Well, here's um, here's my recommendation. There's so many different gardening climates, and this yeah. concept was um, brought into a climate of like zone seven, zone eight, okay. where they have like a year-round garden season almost. Mm. So the garden is constantly breaking down, where our garden has a season of rest. And because of that, we have to adapt a little bit differently. So what I've researched and what we've done is we've done that same layering like you talked about. Then when we go to plant, and this is a little bit time consuming, but it's worth it, you dig a hole, uh, depending on the plant, let's take a tomato, for example, that's deep rooted. Um, You're going to make at least bare minimum 16 inch down by 12 inch hole per tomato plant. And you're going to put the plant in the center and you're going to fill it with a very rich planting mix, Mm -hmm. um, which would be like a compost mix with soil. And um, you don't really need a ton of dry material, but enough that it stands up on its own, that it's not super loose. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would fill that big bucket size hole with rich material. That way, when the plant matures, it's got something great to grow. And then when it hits the wood chips, it's strong enough and sturdy enough to go down the full depth to reach the and soil. get the soil. Okay. And I would do that for the first two, three years. Because mm-hmm. with Back to Eden, it's a beautiful work, but it takes time. And yeah. so your garden, the first three years, is going to be like a really labor-intensive as far as planting goes. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can just let a garden rest and build. You know, you could do half the garden that way and just have it be decomposing in wood chips Mm -hmm. um, and then switch and do the other half after three years uh, if you like didn't weren't interested in all that labor Mm -hmm. because it does take time and really your best garden year is going to be at year six so it does it takes a lot of time and patience Mm -hmm. but it's really worth it Mm -hmm. uh, because then you're talking no weeds like forever except for the exterior like if you have trees around that are blowing weeds over or your grass gets too long Mm -hmm. um so do you think there's any time when I should do a little tilling just to start out well that's where I recommend maybe doing a half and half so if you're because if you're going to plant a lot of tomatoes and say your garden space was originally going to be like 20 by 30 consider expanding that to like 40 by 30 Mm -hmm. and doing 20 feet by 30 as like that rest back to Eden style gardening you could do a cover crop in it like throw Mm -hmm. some tough seed or something like that and then the other side lightly tilling or building on top of yeah um maybe not you could do the same concept but not with wood chips with just soil medium and compost Mm -hmm. um and blocking off the thing and as soon as the snow melts I would go out there and block it off um, like immediately if you can get a tarp or something because that'll get you that much yeah. farther ahead. Mm-hmm. Even maybe putting cardboard and then a tarp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would do that like as soon as you could yeah. um, because that's just going to get you an advance on the sod. Sod is hard to break up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we've, in the raised beds, we dug it out and we started with a forest garden so there wasn't really sod growing. Yeah. Um, but sod can be challenging. Some people actually cut it out. Mm-hmm. Like, so they'll go around with an edger, make a big edge, and then, like, roll up the sod. Wow. So that can be really labor-intensive, mm-hmm. too. Um, but, yeah, I would say with our climate, 
if uh, especially like Pavel's concerns are valid and so um, maybe consider doing half and half mm-hmm. and it allows for experimenting that way too you can see if you really like it uh, I definitely recommend like experimenting and playing around yeah that's a great idea so should we remove the sod either way or if, if do... you can get out there now or like soon with a tarp mm-hmm. before that sun comes in and that sod starts to take root mm-hmm. and you leave it on there till May, you should be okay. Okay. Yeah, like you shouldn't have to cut much because it doesn't it doesn't take a lot for that that the worm activity to start okay. and develop. And that'll just soften it. That'll be soil that my plant's roots can go down into. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, along you'll have to amend it because mm-hmm. sod does tie up nutrients for a time until it decomposes. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so excited. I know it's going to be a learning experience mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, it's okay. it's very novel approach to gardening. I think mm-hmm. it's it's you're being a good steward. Mm-hmm. You're using the materials around you. Um, mm-hmm. Wood chips and things like that are often, if you can find them clean, sometimes they just sit in piles for years or people use them for, you know, playgrounds, things like that, which is great. But mm-hmm. when we give back to the earth, mm-hmm. you know, what we're taking from it, it's that much richer than buying like a chemical fertilizer. Right. Something like that. Yeah. And then our next step will be chickens, which mm-hmm. we're very excited for. Because chickens just complement a garden method they do. so well. That's a great way to break up sod is fencing mm-hmm. chickens mm-hmm. in a yard. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on if you get adults, like if you start with pullets, mm-hmm. uh, you could very easily put an electric fence around your garden space. Mm-hmm. And they would have that scratched up in a week. Wow. So that would be another way to break up the sod. Okay. Um, and, and they'd be fertilizing at the same time. Chicken manure is hot. It's a hot manure. So, mm-hmm. um, if you put them on, you want to put them on in like April or May okay. and then, uh, or I mean April or March okay. because yeah, if you have them like in May and then you plant right into it, sometimes that'll be too hot. Could kill the seed. Yeah. I mean, our, our chickens up every once in a while get in the garden and poop in the garden and it's, mm-hmm. it hasn't done anything, but when it's concentrated. Right. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So. Thank you. Yeah. It sounds great. Yeah. It's so fun to start with a new space. And mm-hmm. are you going to fence your garden? Are you worried about village deer and things like that? Yeah. Um, Pavel and I talked about that. And we definitely have plans to fence it if it's necessary. I think we're going to kind of start out and evaluate where things are at. But I definitely... We'll start with some type of repellent to mm-hmm. the deer, whether it's dog hair or something like that. But I know a, a fence might be necessary, yeah. ultimately. Are you getting a dog then? So, no, we would just <laughs> grab dog hair. Grab dog hair. <laughs> Timber can lend you some. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny. Um, I Previously gardening, I've had issues with raccoons. I've had issues yeah. with groundhog. And that was in the country. But growing up with my mom's garden in the country, we we really didn't have big issues wow. um, with things getting eaten. So, yeah, maybe I'm going into it a little too positive. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think? Well, most there's, likely there, there are will so be many deer. things. I like to bring balance. I'm not a pessimist, mm-hmm. but I like to <laughs> just be mindful, be aware. When I started with the raised beds, I had a friend of mine say, "Oh, we never did raised beds because one year we did them and the voles got in and they ate all the roots." And I was like, oh, that's terrible. And I never had voles until last year, remember? Mm -hmm. And I was like, there were these little tunnels when I lifted up my cold frame. And I was like, what? 
in the world? But there's a solution to everything. I went, I called my local greenhouse. I love them. And I said, what do I do for voles? And they showed me this peppermint pellet that's organic. And it's, uh, it's to treat rats, but it also repels voles. And wow. I just got that and I sprinkled it around my garden and it took care of them right away. And, and then a friend of mine who had never had voles in her in-ground garden had them. Came, and she'd been gardening, you know, for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And so I shared you some of the pellets with her. And she was so excited that it worked. That's awesome. So there's a solution for everything. Mm-hmm. But be mindful. You may experience some yeah. loss while you're learning. And right. I want to be on top of that. Figuring out what pests are there. But if you're in your garden every day, which I think is really healing to your soul, mm-hmm. what's good, you know, it's good for the garden and the gardener. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll be really mindful of things and you'll be able to observe very fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's changing. Last year, gardening at the yurt, um, we did a lot in the huge greenhouse. And um, I was gardening with Kathy Stewart, um, the local farmer there. And, and she was like, oh, it looks like your tomatoes are getting eaten by something. And I saw it, it was like big chunks out of these Weird. tomatoes that were just getting ripe my nice Ukrainian tomatoes and uh, I was devastated I was like you know is it a mouse is it I didn't think it was bugs because it looked too big for bugs and come to find out it was our chickens because <laughs> we were ah. just one or two chickens would get out of time and they were coming all the way around so you know we we modified tomatoes yeah we modified the door on the greenhouse so they couldn't get in and but for a while, I was like, is my entire tomato crop going to be, like, stolen from me before I can enjoy oh, it? Oh, so sad. Yeah, <laughs> chickens, we, be mindful. Yeah. We love tomatoes. They're these big, juicy fruits. Mm-hmm. And they like to pack one at a time. Yeah, like, it's terrible. <laughs> take a bite out of every tomato on the plant. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, now is the time for us to be planting um, some seeds inside, getting yeah. some things started. Getting close. Yeah. I'm holding off. I'm being really good this year. Good for you. When's um, your start date? So I normally I start like February 1st or February 15th, but mm-hmm. I'm actually holding off till March 15th. Okay. Uh, because we had snow last year, mm-hmm. um, May 15th. Mm-hmm. I was just oh, watching my, my live. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm not hoping for history to repeat itself, but I'm being mindful of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just don't have a lot of space this year. So... Yeah. Um, what I've learned is that plants um, can, if they're given the right soil basis to start, they don't really need a lot of time inside, and then all of a sudden they'll just take off. Mm-hmm. So it's better to just hold off, hold off, hold off. Mm-hmm. Um, they can survive if you plant them early. When I first, my first few years gardening, I planted stuff like May 1st, um, mm-hmm. like tomatoes and things that a lot of people wait around here for. And it works, but um, they do have the risk of being stunted. And when you put all that time into transplanting and things. Mm -hmm. So it makes your life easier because it's one month less to care for plants. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's just better for the plant in general. Yeah. That's awesome. Very exciting. Yeah. Are you going to start? Do you have an area you're going to start in? Yeah. I I have quite a bit of space um cool. I just need to go get the supplies yeah for everything so mm-hmm. yeah the excited. lights are the trick I've been mm-hmm. scouring all like the secondhand websites mm-hmm. looking for Some for grow lights. lights yeah yep mm-hmm. let me know if you find any with extra <laughs> yeah I will mm-hmm. 
So wonderful. We'll be starting that soon, though. Mm-hmm. Next month will be April. Yeah. Easter is going to be the first week, mm-hmm. so our podcast will come out around Easter. Very exciting. And then the big store event is at that time, right? Are you we're having, Easter? yeah, we're having Maple Days. Um, oh, that's right. Thanks for reminding me. So mm-hmm. Maple Days is coming up March 20th on a Saturday. If you want to learn how to make maple cider the old-fashioned way, mm-hmm. we uh, invite the public. We're following all New York State guidelines and just, uh, it's mostly an outdoor event. So yeah. very safe and you can keep your distance from people, but still learn a lot on the farm and then uh we're doing an easter egg hunt the following week for our our small children customers that'll be a fun as long as the weather holds out Mm -hmm. awesome i'll have to mark my calendar (laughs) (laughs) so before we wrap up we left you guys with a little bit of a cliffhanger last time sharing that there's the baby on the way Mm -hmm. so tell us maria (laughs) yeah well i have big news I'm not pregnant, <laughs> which means I'm pregnant. Ooh, Christina's having a baby. So we are due. Uh, they keep moving my due date. <laughs> We're due October fifth now. Wow. Um. So they moved me two more weeks. Just uh, figuring out how long you've been. Baby's pregnant? measuring small. I okay. was diagnosed with hyperemesis again, mm-hmm. uh, which can throw some wrenches into the things. That basically means I can't take in food um, for a majority of the pregnancy, not by choice, but right. just my body rejects it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm managing it and I'm doing okay, but uh, baby is measuring a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. So they moved the due date to October fifth. And, um, yeah, we'll see. I'm so excited. We're going to find out the gender this time. Wow. With the other two, you didn't? We didn't. Wow. And so we get to find out uh, next week. No way. Yeah. That's so soon. <laughs> How exciting. So that will be really thrilling. And we, I asked Kelby last night what he thought the baby was, and he laughed, and he said, of course it's a boy. Really? <laughs> That is so funny. In the Snyder family, my husband is one of seven boys Mm -hmm. and one girl. Mm -hmm. And so far, the cousins, there's three, four, five, five boys and one girl. Wow. So, uh, yeah. But that one girl needs a little cousin. She does need a little girl. And (laughs) we're getting close to that, like ratio right so maybe (laughs) (laughs) that is really funny but I'll be happy with just a healthy baby yeah absolutely well that's exciting congratulations thank you (laughs) (laughs) so stay tuned for more fun gardening tips and things going on in the farm we would love to hear from you all what you guys are up to as spring approaches yeah, in my mini-sode um, this month, I'll probably do something garden-themed and maybe about transplanting and soil mm-hmm. seed starting. So look forward to that in the next couple weeks. Awesome. I'll be sure to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining, everyone. If you have questions or comments, feel free to email us. My email is thrivinghealth17 at gmail.com. And we are at sunnycoveorganic at gmail.com. Have a wonderful March. Bye. Bye.